Hi, I'm Sean. I am an alcoholic addict. I appreciate the uh, the opportunity to tell my story here. I'm happy to hear from Max Smart. He caught me in a good bounce and he told me what he's calling for. Thanks for hosting the meeting and thanks for everyone being here. Um, My story, I love how you opened that because I got the mental illness myself, you know, and didn't know about it for a while. So where is my story? I'll, I'll start my story on... The 4th of August, 2017, right? I'm driving along and I'm 45 years old. I'm getting, going through the divorce. I've been married 20 years. I got two kids, 11 and 12 boys at the time. And I'm, I don't even know anything about being an alcoholic, being an addict, being a codependent, being an alone, you know, being an inner child, all this shit. I don't know anything about any of that. I think I'm the smartest fella in the world. The best at everything I've ever done, you know. I'm the funniest Irish character. I live in Florida, so I traded on that for a while. You know, I mean, the uh, typical, stereotypical Irish bloke, which is kind of funny, you know, because I ended up being a stereotypical Irish alcoholic. I, I was yet to find, I was going to find that out that day. So I was going through all this mental anguish and depression, and I was drinking my head off, and how can I be getting forced? How can the, she run off with this bloke? You know, and um, he wasn't rich, young, good-looking, or famous, so that was even worse. I knew what it was like for those women who the husbands run off with this, like, you know, horrible girl. Like, how? How can that happen? So I was really depressed, you know, really bad. And I was drinking more than I normally drank. And um, I was talking to a pal of mine who was in recovery a long time. On the phone, I do real estate, and I had to drive, like, an hour each way for this property I look out for him. So I used to get, we used to joke about it being therapy session. I got on the phone, oh, fucking hell, my ex, she's doing this, that, you know, blah, 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 all this manic shit in my head, which was a normal occurrence. And um, he's like, he, I said to him, you know, a therapist is good, but at $150 an hour, you know what I mean? Like, what's the incentive to fix me? Like, that's 300 bucks a week after tax dollars, you know what I mean? So I'm in a pickle because I'm depressed like fuck, I'm drinking like crazy. I can't work because my job is interacting with people and being like a dancing monkey. And you. So I'm all in my own head. And he says, get yourself into one of these meetings. What's that? The rooms. What's all that shenanigans? The rooms. Oh, it's people sitting around give you real life counts and just start experience, strength and hope. What's all that? Bullshit. Like, what's in it for them? He said, you just go in. It's just people. There's bereavement groups. There's this. He goes, he goes to, this bloke went to NA and AA and he says to me, from what I know about you, and we kind of got on a vacation before I was staying at this fucking sex resort. And uh, he goes, you might want to get into SLAA. All right, what's all that? He goes, look, where are you now? I tell him where I'm at. I'm on the way. It's Friday afternoon. I'm going to meet a mate of mine for a few pints for a work lunch. And he says, uh, there's a meeting at this place. Go in and get it at 12 o'clock, 10, 15 minutes from then. And it was on my way. God must have sent him. Lucky enough. Joe, my mate's not religious, neither am I or whatever. So I went into this meeting and I looked around and pompous, egotistical Sean was like, are you kidding me? If these people are getting too much sex, I'm just a normal bloke, like the state of it. So I'm there, I'm already after telling me, mate, I won't see him till about 1.30, so what will I do? And there was an AA meeting in the corner. I walk in there and lo and behold, Found out I'm a stereotypical. I am Colin Farrell and all them guys I wanted to be. I'm a fucking alcoholic addict. And how did I not know? How did this happen? How did it sneak up on me? 
so that's when I got, I found there was an alcoholic. I got myself a going away weekend on the Friday and the Saturday and the Sunday I was sitting down with a glass of wine and I looked in it and I said, if I drink that, it's not good going through a divorce. I won't be able to control me running my mouth and the texts that I read from the night before, actually from eight o'clock that morning when I was still steam drunk. And I says, Shawnee, boy, the only way to get you through this divorce and do the right thing by your boy is, is to never have a drink till you get, don't drink till you get through the divorce. So I fucking pushed away the glass. That was uh, the 6th of August, 2017. Went to a meeting again on the Monday. Went and asked them people how they did it. So I wonder how I got there. You know, it was a big shock to me. Like, I was like, never saw that coming. Here I was walking through life, successful Irish chap, you know? And I go back to being born 1972 in Dublin, a week after Bloody Sunday. You know, I came into the world where it must have been a lot of worry for my parents. In Ireland, kicking off powder keg, unemployment. You know, got involved in a load of crazy shit. It was just, look, when, when hectic things go on, that's normal around you, violence, crime, whatever. I sought it out. You know, I idolized the wrong people. My dad was a good, hard-working fella. He worked at Dublin Airport. He came through some shit. You know, he had to go to England. He was born in the 30s. He went to England. He was, you know, calling out Paddy. He was harassed. He was living in, you know, these lodging houses, working in a steel rope factory in England and all that. He came back home and in 19, I think it was 1963, he got a job in Dublin Airport. And he retired out of that. And he worked steady, did shift work. He got me, me other brothers, jobs there. Half the neighborhood kids, jobs in the airport when you're 15, 16. Not a drinker. My man never had drink in the house. And she used to berate me that. You know, if he ever wanted to go for a pint, to be all this shit. I remember thinking like, screw that old bitch. I'll have a few quid. No one will tell me not to stop. I'll drink what I want and I'll do what I want. So by the age of 15, I was robbing. I was working in pubs. I had hundreds of pounds a week, which was a load of money back then. But none of my mates had money. So I was like, oh, I didn't know this, but I didn't know how easy it was to buy affection, you know? So it's like, call all the lads, you know? Here, let's go. Bloom's Hotel. It's 99 pence night on Sunday. Fuck's sake, you know, 50 quid, you get 40 is red, drunk, puke up, take away in a taxi home and fight with somebody on the bus maybe. Then you have to walk, you know, whatever. So that would be great crack. And then I used to be a pretty good student and once I discovered drink and women and all that and crime, I didn't want to go to school. And I didn't know, you know, I never went to college. I did finish school. And then I went to Germany for the summer, figured I'd sort everything out and I came back, you know, finished the high school, whatever you call it. I've never gone back to live there. I got over to Jeremy, I worked in a pub. I could take out all the cash I wanted. I had an Irish accent. American women loved it. German women loved it. English women loved it. I was never going back to Ireland, which obviously I didn't. So um, I was a celebrity. I had an accent. They were like, oh my God, where are you from? Whatever, you know, and it was like, these Irish girls, when I go home, they don't even look crooked at me. So I could drink and party and I became that person in my own mind. And uh, I found that one day I was after being with this Irish girl engaged for eight years, living in Germany. She left Ireland to follow me over there. God bless her. I had five Irish pubs. I used to spend a night in each one because I had an apartment at them. It was fertility flats and those flats, let me tell you, it was like knocking shops without the money. It was insane. And I was like, I'd bring over four blokes a year from Dublin and be like, look at this life, you know, it was like celebrity lifestyles without paparazzi. And uh, and that was like success to me. I thought if you had loads of money, all you do is like drink, shag and gamble and like sit in the sun or whatever. 
So I pissed away every bean I ever made because it was never going to stop. It was never running out. I was too smart. I was only going to come up with better things and more success. And um, moved to the States, was married after six months, which lasted 20 years. That's pretty good. I was great. She drank with me every day. She was running away from her problems. I was running away from mine. It was a pretty good run for a while. We're married seven years, had our first kid, had our second 15 months later, Irish twins. So that was great too, boys. You know, um, in the background, there's a lot of aggravating going on, drinking, fighting, cheating, lying, you know, habitual lying, which is now called gaslighting. It's fucking horrible to be called that, you know. Uh, all these terminologies that I found out I am and I did, you know, lie till you die. That's a gaslighter, you know, convincing people they're fucking imagining it. Sure, I imagine more shit myself, probably. So I didn't know on about the mental illness and all that. I was wreaking havoc along a load of people's lives. I would make friends with some poor bastard. And if they wouldn't come out drinking and partying and traveling and shagging birds, there was something wrong with them. And, and if they did, the poor bastards probably had to go home and confess to their missus and cause them divorces. And I like just think, I, did, I thought you weren't a real man if you didn't go on a road trip and I'll go up with women. Like, what was wrong with you? So I'm in the States and I'm making loads of money and I'm hanging around with athletes and famous people and I'm this token Irish lad. I really am like the Colin Farrell, but I didn't have the unibrow, so I thought I was even better than him. And um, plus I wasn't like a, a derelict uh, druggie. I was just, you know, run-of-the-mill alcoholic partier. There was no problem with that because you could buy alcohol everywhere. Like, that's nothing wrong with that fucking stuff. Buying a car station and getting your car. Like, so I never was going to do drugs, drink and drive. I had my own limo. Then I'm drinking too much. I can't wait. I'm a limo guy. Then I can't afford to pay the fucking limo, so I sell it. Instead, I'm, I've got real estate investments. The market crashes. I lose everything. It's all gone. Everything I ever worked for, which was a lot. Not alcohol. I definitely didn't make any bad decisions. Drunk speculation, you know what I mean? So when I could have cashed out, when people were cashing out, I didn't because I knew better, I knew better, I knew better. So everything was gone. Lost my own house, everything broke is a fucking joke. Again, back to what I was running away from in the north side of Dublin, throwing fucking milk bottles full of petrol at fuckers, you know. I was gonna I was so good, I was so like above that look of my life of a pool in my backyard, and I hang around with the rich and the famous, and they all think I'm like right there. But I'm going home with these like models and I'm pissing on the bed on them and I'm begging them not to say anything. I'm telling them it's because I did those six baby Guinness when we left and I took a sleeping pill because I had a meeting this morning. And I believed all that shit. Probably pissed on 80% of the women I was with. You know, it's terrible. I'm embarrassed saying this on a fucking phone to strangers that I can't even see. But everybody wanted my life and I love that. Every fucker I knew in Ireland wanted to be like me. They all wanted what I had. I could get tickets to everything and I lived for that. I wasn't happy going myself, you know? I wasn't happy if I got a ticket to the Rolling Stones backstage. Who can I bring and show them? I didn't know that, but that's what I was doing, obviously. Who can I impress? And they'll say, fuck, life's magic. And I go, yeah, innit? And all I wanted was my wife to love just me. But I didn't know I didn't even love myself. I hated myself. I'm out self-sabotaging myself. I'm fucking up all them relationships. I'm in the owner's box at sporting events, and I'm slagging his mates because of their political and or religious beliefs which in Florida is usually the same. And I think I'm the funniest, most entertaining bastard ever. And I'm like, see, nobody will say that to them people, but I will. I'm the Irish guy with the chip on his shoulder who grew up fucking throwing fucking stuff around. 
So I, I was very uncomfortable. I still kind of am around the wealthy people that grew up with wealthy people. I'm okay with fellas who just made a few quid and they're kind of scallywags a bit like myself. I'm very comfortable in that situation. I'm more comfortable at street food and chatting with guys on a public train than I am sitting in a big fancy restaurant or at a corporate event. And um, that'll probably never change. That's just, I'm all right with that. That's not a problem. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm more comfortable sitting on a beach and having a golf course. So what do I do? I don't fucking go golfing, you know? It's not that tricky. It doesn't trigger me. So when I found out that I had all these things, I says, what am I going to do now? He says, well, don't have a point to come back tomorrow and we'll give you more info. So I stopped drinking and then I had mad depression and all this shit. And I thought, you sons of bitches didn't tell me this. Like, how do we get through all this depression? He said to me, one day at a time, you fucking dummy. How do you think? The way you got through your fucking roller coaster life, one day at a time. I looked back and I saw I was living three and four days at a time. And then I realized that it doesn't, you take it off the end if you take it off the end. You don't get infinite days. It doesn't matter what you believe in a fucking magical being, magic beings. Or we're going to be gone, we're gone. But we don't get infinite days. And if you party two and three days time for a few years, it's coming off the end. You're paying your health one way or another. So I'm 50 now. He's a compliment. I'm 50 a little bit. going to harass me if I live long enough in 20 years. And you know what? I'll be accepted. I didn't fucking play professional sports. Some of those guys are going around with noble knees, noble ankles and all that the rest of their days. You know what I mean? I don't have that. I don't have to get dialysis. What have I got? I've got a plan. I've got a load of people around me. I went back with all this mental stuff. I fucking hell, I want to kill this person. Yeah, you can kill them all right. Actually, at the start, some people were like, no, you have to let it go. Say a prayer. If you don't find my, you know, this, that, and the other, you're going to drink again. I'm like, that can't be right. Because a lot of people don't believe that crazy shit and they don't drink. So what am I going to do? So my... First meeting I rambled into was an alternate LGBT meeting where there were six people in the middle of the day all sitting around. There was no praying. And that's where I went back for a few months because I wanted to practice that I could not drink before I went to the local meetings because I didn't want to embarrass myself. And I didn't want them talking about me because I coach soccer and I thought everyone's talking about me because I'm the best in the world. My biggest dilemma was it was August and this is like September now and I'm like, I'm going to get, I'm going to get in 30 days. What about... Uh, I have a stag party coming up in May in Napa Valley with all these professional athletes and fellas we know. And I'm depressed because I'm thinking, am I going to be able to drink then? Because those lads, like, what are they going to do if, if uh, Sean, the entertaining dancing monkey's not there? And I believe that. I believe like the lads will probably get, do something different. So you told me you can probably drink in maybe you are like tomorrow. I went mental for a while, but I, you know, white knuckled the mentalness. I got a bit of outside help. I went to Al-Anon. I found out if my wife drank with me every day for 20 fucking years and she's still drinking, maybe I can get a bit of insight. That helped me see insight to myself as well, to be quite frank. Gave me a great idea. Then I discovered codependency. I thought that was a heroin addiction. So I found out what codependency is and I found out what all this inner child stuff is. And I found that I'm open to having a listen. I'm open to all these different philosophies. I did a bit of yoga and meditating, and I thought, holy shit, why didn't I do that years ago? That's why those people are a little more calm. One of my business partners is big into yoga, and he used to sit with me all the time wondering how I could be. So I could be sitting there with you guys having a chat, grand, like everything would be going great, and something would set me off. I'm a mental bastard, and I just won't let it go till I get a fella to throw a punch at me. 
And he'd sit there and go, how can you be so mental? How you're quick, your fluctuations so quick. And I just, that was just normal to me. So what I've got from this program, and now I'm four and a half years and a little bit. If I get August, it'd be five years, touch wood. And I listen to people. I hear what goes on, you know. I pause a bit. I think, do I have to make that decision today? I find out I don't have to make a lot of decisions today. You know, I have to slow down everything. Have I lost business opportunities? Yeah, I don't care. Is that like, what's my motive? Is my motive to influence a person, make money, feed me kids? I try and look at my motives all the time. That's what this program has given me. And that's what I find out when I listen to people, if they, if they don't be honest about their motives and try and think it through a little bit. You know, my job, like some of my job is mixing with some of these celebrities and I have to be this Irish character and blah, blah, blah. And it gets me a bit of business. And I only learned a couple of years ago, they like me better when I'm not a fucking drunk clown, believe it or not. Because I don't slag off their friends. They don't have to watch the Irish time bomb and get their mates out at half ten before he goes mental. Like, so now they're realizing that I'm actually, I have a bit of a brain and I think stuff through. So it took a few years. You know, I've got mates that still don't trust me and they won't. And that's my own fault. Like, and I was upset about that. Like, why they don't trust me immediately? Should I'm off the gargle, getting meetings? Like... I wouldn't trust me. And if I watched me for 20 years, I wouldn't trust me for 20 years. And that's just the way it is. You know, there's a lot of people are going to probably have it in for me physically. I'll get a few thumps when I'm in Ireland the next time. Nothing I can do, even at my age. You know, I have to take it because I've sown a few of them. And there's a few things, a lot of things I've let go. I thought it through. Anyone who's harmed me kids is still going to get their comeuppance just in the, the proper way. and. Some of me fire keeps me going, you know. I don't fight as much on a Sunday football at my age because those guys get me back as well and stick an elbow in my ribs the next week and then it takes me six weeks to come back and I have to think about them in the shower every day and I don't want to think about those people. So it's like me resentments. If I shut my mouth today and I don't send texts or I don't run me up, or I've a lot less resentments tomorrow, I find. I talk to myself a lot more. I scream in the car. And then I laugh me bollocks off at myself. And I go, what have you got to be upset about? So sometimes I do take other people's image and I go, look at them fuckers. You're doing all right, lad. Keep your head together and you're glad. You'll get to your debt one day. And in the meantime, enjoy it. You know, my old man's 88. This program has given me where I concentrate him a lot more. of a great day should be two young lads. Or one turned 17. The other guy's about to be 16. They want to go home now in June and see me die, you know, for at least a month and all that. And they, I do everything for them. You know, it's like they're switching football clubs. It's an hour drive. I'd have never done that drinking because I wouldn't, it's too fucking far for me drinking and driving, you know? And the last two years, someone spiked me drink with some Molly one time in Vegas, my friend's wife. And I got on the Molly. And then that was at the age of 42 or something like that. Then it was everything, every pill. Pills to get me awake, pills to get me sleep, pills to get me happy, pills to get me a ride, pills to stop getting me a ride, pills to get me drink more, drink to go with the pills, drink the thirst was going down with the molly and you're supposed to drink water, but I never drank water. It's better on two bottles of wine. Police, violence, pub fights, fucking punching fellas after football, you know, more police. What are you doing in your 40s headbutting police? Or headbutting and getting the police called? Didn't know that was wrong. So now I'm a little more calm. I still have a bit of legal issues, but slowly but surely, Rome wasn't built in a day. That's what they say anyway. I wasn't around then, but um, 
Tampa wasn't and Sean Sobriety wasn't built in the day. So we're still going through the mental ups and downs. I can start in the morning having a great time. I can be ready to strangle some bastard. And 20 minutes later, I can be laughing at myself. And I find if I poke fun at myself and laugh at myself. And that helps me a little bit because it's kind of a joke that my whole life is fucked up because I thought drink was the most important thing. And I have to kind of laugh at that because that was in my head. I believed that. And now I believe live and let live. Help people if you can help them. Say a good word to people. You know, Mark, I was having a good laugh up this morning. He goes, can you go to that meeting? I said, no, I can go to the meeting. He goes, yeah, can you do the share? I was shitting myself, nervous, sweating. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'm going to have to push two appointments. I don't give a shit about the two appointments. It doesn't matter anyway. There's nothing. So I figured, you know what? I saved 150 again with the therapy because even if you guys don't get out and over it, Hopefully I did, you know, it opens up some things from the past, some bad stuff I did, some big mistakes. And that makes me concentrate on being a better person today, a better dad, a better ex-husband to me ex, you know. It doesn't matter if she is mad at me because stuff I did in the past and she needs to get over it. She might never get over it. And that's my own thing. And every day I'm going to be okay with that. Every day I'm going to be polite and nice because you know what? My motive, my goal is a better relationship with her, smoother for me kids. That's all I give a shit about. She can call me all the names she wants every day, every night, and I'm still going to offer to do the right thing and be polite because that's the deal. And that's what I am now is trying to be a nice fella. You know what? It's not that fucking hard. Is it being nice and shutting up? It's a lot easier than I thought. Anyone who's new to it, I didn't think I'd do 30 days. I wanted to get to Christmas and tell everybody who said I wouldn't get 30 days or 60 days or 90 days. And then I thought, I'll do the year and I'll write a book about an Irish fellow who gave up the gargle for a year. And then the devious Alki said, I'll pretend I saw Jesus and he told me to quit because I'll sell 10 million copies if I say Jesus told me to do it. If I say the program and other Alkis told me to do it, it won't sell that much. So that's what I wanted to do. And now I want to write a book to help people from 12 to 15 so they don't end up codependent or addicts if they're going through trauma. And they're like, I want them to know it doesn't matter and it passes. So that's my little mission in life. Money's looking after itself. I'm lucky that way. I'm blessed. My two kids are doing well. I have a reasonably good relationship with my ex. My dad's still alive for now. I'm still alive for now. And I give a bit of help to people when I can. You know, I try to counsel people now to calm things down and slow it down and don't make quick decisions, think it through. I used to be just guns blazing first. Like, get the bastards, hit them hard and hit them fast. And we'll figure it out later. And so here I am trying to spread me wealth of experience pitfalls have I gone over there have I gone over the time you're fine you're the only one I can see by the way yeah so how's my life today my life today is I wake up in the morning I get in a panic what should I doing better what am I not doing what did I fuck up on all them years and then I calm it down I want to strangle my dog and then I go he just wants to play even if it's 7.05 and the kids are at their mass this morning Get up, give the two dogs a cuddle, talk to them for me therapy. Think about the money I saved there for a laugh. Oh, well, come on, take them to the dog park. You know, get a meeting in, get a half a meeting in, text a few jokes to some people, try and get some positive vibes. Think about what I'm doing and a good thing that day. Think about what decisions do I have to make. You know, and I walk through my plan, and I usually get about three meetings a day, different ones to be quite frank with you. You know, the religious people used to do me head in. I used to always have to give the go back at them and be like, mess with their heads a little bit in all honesty. Now I'm like, if someone has a transcendent being that makes everything and all the rest of it, he does every good in their life, good for them. 
me being a codependent, I can't depend on pleasing someone in the fucking morning, noon and night and making sure I did what they say. And if I didn't, I'm in a shit state. That's what got me into this to begin with. It's trying to people please and be, you know, Billy Big Balls and show off and, you know, make sure I've got all them tickets for everything and I'm the desirable person. I'm not into all that shit anymore. Less is more of me. I want to talk with less people, you know. In my job, I don't want to meet all them new people and impress them like I used to. I used to collect friends like bar tabs, you know. Oh, my two mates that met you, Sean, they loved you, man. They thought they were the first Irish guy. They're thinking of selling their house. I loved all that. I'd rather hear six of them than have two regular blokes tell me they wanted to buy 10 houses. I just loved new people saying I was a nice guy and then going home and feeling like shit. So I don't do that anymore. I do a little bit of yoga, not as much. Lockdown started, I said, I'll do it three times a week. I'll be in a great place there and I'll be all buff. And I think I've done it three times in two years. So I'm getting back at it. I'm starting to do regular exercise. I find if I eat three times a day regularly, and if I exercise 10 minutes or more, I'm in a great old spot, you know, and if I get a couple of meetings, nothing really bothers me that much. Not money, not me kids going mad over something, not me ex, and certainly no other people. There's very few people I let rent space in my head. I have enough of that shit myself where I'm living for free and I'm wrecking my own inventory in my head. So I protect myself with boundaries and I work hard on them and I found that's my best survival. So here I am, giving me meetings, listening to people, getting a bit of insight daily because my perspective changes. It can change three times in a day and definitely changes every month or two when I'm looking back. Me, That mirror there is a lot you know, bigger than the rear view mirror and that's what I try and stay focused on. And um, that's it, guys. So I don't know if that's going to help anyone or Hindus or whatever the fuck, but it's uh, Sober Sean has a good life. I do whatever I want and uh, I don't get headbutting people on random days in pubs. So thanks. <laughs>